0: A deposed daimo, a forested hideaway, scorned samurai, and a vengeful mountain god. Mix these ingredients and you have the recipe for a historic kaiju destruction. This is Kaiju vs. History. Daimogen.
1: Back. This is your feudal Lord of Japan, Patrick. And joining me is the Ronin of Clan uh, Hanabasa. Miles. How are you, Miles? I hey, am um, I'm really excited because this mm. is a flavor
0: of Kaiju film that we have not had before.
1: That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. This this
0: this this week's film, this is uh 1966, uh, is and this movie is such a unique film in the scope of everything that we've done so far because every movie we've done so far from king kong to now has been pretty
1: contemporary
0: and and it's showing the shock of these strange beasts in the modern era
1: and Uh, i I will say king kong was contemporary like when it was made but it's like you know, going on like 90 years old now. <laughs> oh, no, no,
0: no, no. But are like, you talking I understand about
1: what you mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm talking about, you know, th- these are in the modern era. There's usually like skyscrapers and stuff to, mm-hmm. for these things to either scale or knock down. And we are going to an era where there, there are no skyscrapers and there's still things to knock down, but it makes for a different visual palette. And I, this is a movie that I've known about. I had not seen it until we did it for this show, but I was always kind of curious how, how visually you make for that in doing something set in a different uh, time period. And this is in, uh, feudal Japan and it's, it's not something we've seen before. And I, I'm also blown away by this is the, the, the other half double feature with
1: Gamera versus Barry on. Yep. Last week's episode, which. We put first, even though I've not been able to confirm which came first in the the double feature, you know, A movie or B movie, but Gammer versus Barragon I think, technically had a larger budget, and it was a longer movie, so I'm pretty sure it was that film, and followed it's by this wild, one. because
0: of the two, if you asked me which had the bigger budget, I probably would have said Dimension. Yes,
1: yeah, so it's a good example of... The director being able to stretch out the bucks. I don't think there was a, a large disparity between their budgets, but Gamerab versus Baragon had more. So it's it's interesting
0: because well, I mean, yes, it's it's certainly what can a filmmaker do with the the budget, and and that often is, and then not just the director but the entire crew. What what that group can do can make or break a movie. If you give the right crew with the right resources just enough money. They can come up with some creative stuff. And this movie, I think, really kind of uh, showcases that because not only are period pieces tend, tend to be more expensive, at least in, the, in modern filmmaking, but they're a little bit more difficult to convincingly pull off. But add add this is a kaiju film and that you have to make a convincing kaiju film in a different time period that people aren't used to seeing at this point. And they're used to seeing movies from this time period, but they're not used to seeing kaiju films. From this time period. Yeah. And I, I, I gotta say it was an, a really interesting project that I think has led to an incredible, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to regret using this phrase, but an incredible legacy for this film.
1: Well, yeah, that, and uh, people that saw this when it came out, this is very much closer to a lot of the films. Die was making at the time die film they were doing primarily historic fantasy pieces set in this period of japan's past they produced the classic kurosawa film rashomon almost a, a decade before i feel like <laughs> yeah i mean like i mean mid-50s. in these these period pieces were like the
0: the big blockbusters of the day. It would be like uh, Marvel. Well, I mean, technically, New Mutants was the attempt to make a genre film set in this top different kind of film.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's it, this is definitely them doing something a little different. A lot of well, they they've had films that have like fantastical elements in them sure. before, set in this period. But this is definitely emerging of some some trends. The same way that we saw Toho. Taking James Bond kind of action films and mixing them with kaiju and.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm just, it's very cool to just get a completely different flavor, especially as much as I love this era of kaiju films, especially as we're progressing into the films that I've spent more time with. It's very fun to, to kind of live with these films, but seeing something just of a completely different flavor is so refreshing sometimes mm-hmm. that. I mean, yeah, it 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 really invigorates your appreciation for the film that's being made. And I think it's what's happening with me. It's why, you know, my experience I think is a little skewed by it because, you know, yes, I I have known about this film, but I have never taken the time to look into it before this podcast. I certainly never watched it. So going from King Kong to to now, it was such a a nice little like reset of, oh, because Because this film, for me, is, you know, carrying the severity of these popular period pieces. This, this is, this has a different tone than a lot of the kaiju films that we've watched. And it's a lot darker because of it, because it's, it's playing with a very popular film genre convention at the time. And so it allows them to, I mean, if you watch this, especially back to back with Baragon, there is a severe, like, whiplash in tonal shift. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like if you if we had to watch this back to back if I had watched this right after uh Gamera versus Bairagon well
1: I would know, have been shocked. <laughs> well you know it's funny and we'll, we'll talk about it in the plot but there's also some similarities. You've got like a a indigenous people out in the the wilds and they have a well I guess in Bairagon it was a valley but a mountainous kind of deity that they try to appease and, and not anger. In a very similar way, but definitely different time periods and definitely different points of view for for these two films.
0: Oh, yeah. And I guess before we get too much into talking about the film itself, Patrick,
1: as always, you got to tell me, what's the title? Oh, it's a big one this week, of course. You can probably guess a little bit of the name, Dimogen, which is both the title and the, the monster's name. Basically, the direct translation uh, "die" as in Daikaiju kaiju" means you know greater or, or or big, <laughs> and Majin is often associated with you know the the Western understanding of like a devil or supposedly the direct translation is God of demons, God of the demons. So it's like a massive demon. So yeah, there's not really a direct translation one to one of what a Majin would be from from Japanese folklore but that's fairly close so yeah when this movie was transferred overseas miles you know for a fact though somehow Germany's title is going to involve Frankenstein in some way even though I, mean, it I, makes, I would be disappointed if it didn't Makes zero sense in any context <laughs> why but in in Germany indeed dimension Frankenstein's monster awakens was that was the West German title I mean
0: is Dr. Frankenstein essentially, like, controlling the world in, in, in German films? Because, I mean, everything is apparently the the fault or the creation of Dr. Frankenstein in these movies. And I'm, I almost want to see if there's, like, a, a different localization to well, where they I, insert some dialogue about Dr. Frankenstein.
1: No, I gotta imagine it's just, like, the Kleenex of, of Kaiju, you know? Instead of saying, tissue... <laughs> Can you hand me a tissue? They're like, "Can you hand me a Frankenstein?" Oh, like, as in, like Frankenstein would be a, a It's just like uh, the uh, word for, for monster. monster I monster. I it's the, possible. The, sh- the shorthand. We need we need to find a German person, an old German person, and ask. I was like, well, "What is the deal?" Majin the Stone Samurai was the direct Russian translation, and in the United States, it was called Majin the Monster of of Terror. So they dropped the die. And and just went with Majin. There was a ton of different promotional titles, alternative titles. It came to I believe Honolulu as uh, Majin Monster of Terror, Monst or a uh, Fury of, of Mountain God, Majin the Hideous Idol, and Man, there's uh, a, 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 more than one title calling this this guy ugly. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was The Devil Got Angry. <laughs> Which yeah, he's kind ooh, of kinda of like devil. I
0: very much enjoy that, you know on a poster or something like that one down that's that's great
1: that's great well you can kind of understand maybe frankenstein another one uh, promotional title was the vengeance of the monster it's like i guess frankenstein's monster kind (laughs) of had a a vengeful streak but yeah lots of different titles most of them though involved either calling it a dimogen or Majin as the monster's name
0: yeah, I mean, because I mean, at least here, this is known as the the, the Daimajin trilogy, and all three films, I think, almost treat the Daimajin as if it's a a proper pronoun, like right. a name, you know. Yes. So yeah, let's 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 get into this because it's it's like I always said at the top of the show. This one's set in the well, in the Edo period of Japan, and mm-hmm. the interest sees this village under the Hanabasa clan. Kind of lording over everything, they seem to be a, a, a well liked clan. Yeah, um, we
1: don't we don't get to see too much, unfortunately. There, there at their, least seems to be a relationship
0: between the lord and the people living around.
1: Yeah, and and, and people, I, I, I can tell you know the people underneath are uh, the the lord seem to be very loyal. So it's like you can just kind of infer from that mm-hmm. that they're they're well liked. But yeah, the the movie starts with and giant so th- footsteps. Yeah, which was
0: pretty, it's pretty cool. And then you have like the, the everything shaking before the the bad guys kind of come in. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, is like, what was going on that we were getting these footsteps for?
1: You know? Yeah. So I, I was thinking they're earthquakes and they explain that it is indeed the, the majin or the, the, the demon of the mountain. And that's what spurs Shinobu to, to start a, a ritual. To kind of placate the demon, so the, the the first thing we we are is kind of introduced to that plot, and I, it felt I do very need to s- ask you because you watched probably the Arrow version, correct? The Blu-ray, mm-hmm. okay.
0: In in the localization do, that you had, did they consistently call the Majin God
1: or the spirit of God? It's <sighs> a good question
0: because I, in in what I watched, which looked to be I thought the Arrow, it was let me put it on YouTube, but it was very very high quality. Mm-hmm. The localization I watched kept referring to the Majin as God or that God lived under the statue
1: or in the yes. statue. They they talk. Well, that's what I was a little confused by because this is the first time I've seen it as well. I thought, indeed, that statue was just a statue and that there was actually something like buried. Okay, me, me too. <laughs> but yeah, no, it depends. The shrine maiden uh, Shinobu definitely calls it... The god buried in the mountain or whatever. Okay. I think, okay. I think some people call it a spirit.
0: Some call um, it a spirit, by, but I, I saw it referred to as as God several times. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if this was a translation thing because a lot of the stuff that you see is like, oh, there's this, this evil spirit. And I'm like, well, that's not what I saw. Um, <laughs> like, it's a pissed off spirit, but I don't know if it's evil. It yeah. seems to, it definitely seems to be beating. Marches to the beat of its own drum, especially once it, you know,
1: starts uh, shaking loose. Yeah, they don't, I mean, they really don't give too much explanation besides what, I guess, the villagers, like, you, you're in the same position as, as the people in, in the film. They don't really know about this, the statue, even. They just stay away from that mountain, and you, you can understand why. These earthquakes in the beginning are, are pretty frightening. Uh, I was about to say, though, they do remind me a great deal of the opening of 1954's gojira Mm -hmm. in we get an akira ifukube score and then uh, some giant like thunderous footsteps that uh we, we don't get a roar nothing of that nature but we get a very similar kind of introduction without ever seeing the monster at the very beginning so it's one of those situations that and, and spoiler warning, while we see the statue fairly early on, maybe at the 20-minute mark or so, we actually don't see the monster until the last 20 minutes of the movie.
0: Right, which is something I kept thinking about docking this this film points for because well, it's, it's not my favorite trope to do. But I, I did want to mention when you talked about Ikefube I liken him to Danny Elfman. He doesn't often copy himself exactly, but you can always tell when it's his score. There are well, some movements and some and specific types of sounds that he consistently uses in almost every score that he does, yeah. and it reminds me of what just like Danny Elfman, where I hear something like Danny Elfman do that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that. Well, yeah, you can tell because it's such a quality soundtrack from the very beginning. It's not overbearing, but mm-hmm. it sets the tone so well for this. I mean, it's probably. He's probably even better suited for this than something as bombastic as, you know, like the military march or, or what have you. I feel like he's right in in the pocket here, which makes me want to go seek out other movies outside of the, the kaiju genre that he's scored and and experienced them just for his work there. But we got off topic in in talking about our a recap here, but in the plot this this lore that we see is Attacked by a spiteful samurai that I believe worked under him, Samansuke, Samanasuke, who comes with a whole bunch of attackers to disp- dispose of, of the lord and kills everyone, basically, or captures everyone, save for uh, um, Kojinta, who gets the lord's kids away, Kozasa and her brother, uh, Tatafumi, Tatafumi. Man, I cannot speak today. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they get secreted away to a mountaintop to live beneath the statue of the Dimogen by Kojinta's aunt, the shrine maiden Shinobu. And, yeah, then that that's the first probably 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, 20, I would say 25-ish minutes. It It, does, it, does, it actually gets there pretty fast. And then we've jumped forward 10 years and the entire countryside around this castle all the vassals here have been turned basically into slave labor to build the walls up make it a much more fortifiable defensive castle and it's kind of it's kind of big set it feels like you know the 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 outdoor scenes that we get there and yeah it's it's terrible everything's bad and eventually through unfortunate series of events uh kojenta and tatafumi are captured one by one and they are set to be executed and they find out where they were staying so they this this evil samurai sends his men to destroy the huge statue and the the daughter of kozasa pleads with it to come alive save her family and that's what it does it's 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 one of those Indians. It's like I guess you're expecting it. Of course, you saw the poster and what have you, but it still is a shocking ending. <laughs> well, it's it's a wild it's a wild thing because
0: and what this film does well is it asks you the question: Are these people foolish for believing in this spirit? Yes, we've seen the poster, but the poster, if, if I recall, is this the statue, right? But yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I think there's so some. We don't see on like. You know, it, it, it's very ambi- It's very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ambivalent, <laughs> ambiguous, ambiguous. Thank you. I, I yeah, can't amb- talk today either. <laughs> they don't. Um, they, they don't know exactly. It, it, I like that. I like that it questions that. Hey, is this actually going to happen, or are these people just giving their lives up for nothing? And there'll be some sort of spiritual ending. Which. <laughs> Yeah. This
1: movie executes extremely well. I will say, I feel like Tarantino would love this film. It's it does set up a lot of expectations, and then at the end, you're you're just kind of blown away by violence and the 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 quickness of of how violent the the <laughs> the ending is resolved. Oh
0: yeah, I, I'm I'm actually pretty sure Tarantino has talked about being a fan. I think of at least. The third one. I mean, he he has a he's got a pretty encyclopedic filmography in terms of his the movies that he's watched and the movies that he even owns prints of. If you if you've ever like heard about his you know the theater that he owns in L.A. and the stuff that they put on thirty five millimeter, it's it's pretty insane. The New Beverly. Mm -hmm. So I would I would imagine, especially him being such a big fan of Eastern cinema from this era, I would I would I would absolutely be certain that he's if he's not a massive fan he's at least enjoyed one of these movies. <laughs> I I thought I did think it was a little odd, not odd. It, it was a little off for me because, you know, not always the 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 dimension come out and, you know, attack the fortress of the bad guys. It doesn't seem to care who it's messing with. And and that was a little interesting because it seems like, yes, you can call upon this spirit, but you can't control it. And it doesn't necessarily, you know, you might ask for its presence, but that presence doesn't, doesn't necessitate protection. Mm-hmm. Even though it seems to stop short of squashing Kazasa, it doesn't seem to fully. I think it's because her preparation to sacrifice himself sates it. And then it just. Like, it, I guess, quells its anger, and his his rampages kind of dissipates, and then it, the spirit, I guess, you know, Fs off, and it pops back into, I assume, the mountain, because the, the actual statue, when the spirit leaves the statue, just crumbles.
1: Yes, yeah, it absolutely gets destroyed. Yeah, we, I mean, it is a demon, or a devil, so it was more than happy to continue its slaughter after it, it tore through the the samurai because you know
0: it's it's such an interesting choice because we we as the audience or at least i as the audience expect okay this thing is sticking sticking up the good guys it's going to just you know cause some some chaos and then peace out and it really does share like you said a lot of dna with creatures like gojira
1: in exactly. that you yeah. unleash
0: a force of nature, but that force of nature is not yours to control and it's not yours to dictate. And I think that's interesting. It's more like you have the option to aim a hurricane in a direction and what the hurricane <laughs> does, you know, it's out of your hands.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So a- as you said, it does eventually get to, uh, Samonosuke and impale him <laughs> and, and turn on the village, but the ending once more. The the daughter uh, Gozasa is able to plead with it, and I think she again offers up her life tearfully. So to, I, to the I, monster, I, I think she does. Which is how she got it to to attack the the fortress in the first place. So.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I really liked that. I, I don't know if you heard in your location. You know, she's saying, you know, the sun's getting real low, big guy. <laughs>
1: Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> close yeah, enough.
0: yeah. I, I really enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed this film. I think mm-hmm. that the all of the period stuff was done exceptionally well. Everything looked fantastic. But what stuck out the most to me was how well they did the dimensions rampage on the the feudal castle. And mm-hmm. there were some amazing camera tricks. There was this one moment where Kogenta and Atatafumi are like strung up on crosses and the demonjin like takes one and starts shaking it and that scene looks so seamless
1: yeah yeah there's a couple scenes where uh, demonjin is carrying people and they are able to cover it up very well that and the the scale is interesting the the statue is only like 25 to 30 foot tall and some sometimes you see people like run up to its leg and they kind of look like toddlers next to, yeah to dimension but yeah i i will agree that that works very well what we'll get to when we talk to the, about some of the more technical aspects but the direction i thought was really great we got some some like cam shots of them walking into the temple at parts there's some yeah some, some great pull away shots like in the very beginning of the film, there's just a lot of advanced kind of technical filmmaking aspects that made this feel uh, very far advanced of for, well, for it, a lot of the films that we have seen. I mean, it doesn't feel like a 1966 movie for sure.
0: No, and it doesn't surprise me that he the director stayed in this for a little bit. He did uh, two of the the yokai monster movies. But,
1: but also, also did
0: several of the Zatoichi films, especially the ones that have been very well loved from the seventies. I mean, this is definitely a
1: a filmmaker who knew what they were doing. And yeah, we, we we haven't talked about that. Daye has had done ten Zatoichi films. who's the the blind samurai, and we're going to make over the next like fifteen years another sixteen movies. There's like almost thirty of those. It, yeah i think, Dai I think went he bankrupt. starts in 67 maybe so yeah and the, the name for this kind of the, the, this is like a, a whole genre in in japanese cinema is basically i think the translation is is sword films you know like sword fighting mm-hmm. movies obviously this is a a huge a huge market and for the most part what was dominating at rival toho as well they they were obviously doing Kurosawa epics and and historical epics at the same time that Godzilla movies were were coming out. And so just, let's.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I said I, I want to talk a little bit because I know you, you you had you found some some fun stuff about the actual production of this movie because I want to talk about what a cool choice it was to actually make this in the first place, but then also the fact that Daiei did all three at once.
1: Yeah, yeah, and. Well, it's so funny. We'll get stuff like that with the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> what, yeah, uh, 50, yeah, like fifty like years almost, later?
0: F- yeah, forty years later,
1: <laughs> where they will go and th- they've got everything ready, so some of your production costs are are brought down. But very interestingly, with this, they have we have three different directors for this planned trilogy, which were kind of divvied out and shot together, I think, mostly at the same time. But yeah, all three released in 1966. So uh, Kimiyoshi Yusada is the director for this movie, Daimajin. Kinji Misumi did the next one, Return of Daimajin. And then Daimajin Strikes Again or The Wrath of Daimajin, I think is the American title, maybe. That is director uh, Kazuo Mori, but there was a lot of through threads in President of Dai uh, Masaichi Nagata produced all of them, as well as Gamera versus Baragon, and he was the president of the company from its its humble beginnings in post war Japan nineteen forty seven until it declared bankruptcy in nineteen seventy one. We will we will actually see him. Portrayed by uh, Yukijiro uh, Haturo of of the the Heisei Gamera movies in the the film Nozura nineteen sixty four, which I'm I'm looking forward to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he was the one that they they were going to make this this giant rat movie, <laughs> and the production went haywire. So they're like, eh, what about a giant turtle? Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> it's cool because I mean I, I give Dae this. I feel like Dae. Seems to be willing to take more wild swings sooner than Toho is, and don't 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 get me wrong. Toho is going to take some some wild swings in the future as well with some of their monster movies, but I feel like at this current time, with what Dai is doing in 1966, is so interesting because yes, we just got the you know the kind of the Ghidorah duology in the Godzilla franchise which yields one of my favorites, but it's not that Ghidra is not interesting because he absolutely is, but he feels akin to the Godzilla creature. Whereas with Gamera, you get, you get, you know, the the awesome weird flying turtle, you get Barugan, which is also a weird creature that shoots killer rainbows. And then you get, we go to, we go to Edo era Japan and we get this giant wrathful spirit statue. Like, (laughs) it's yeah. just that we're we're getting a little bit of a cooler variety in this like i feel like dai is taking a little bit of it, it almost feels like like ultra q we're like we're getting a little bit more mm. of a, a grab bag of different kinds of creatures
1: yeah yeah you, you mentioned you know just what is this monster and t- taking us out of our comfort zone of the future or near future the the present day of of most kaiju films let's talk about the Edo period of japan which was like 200 250 years is very often depicted in media because it's such a large time period and it's it formed a lot of the japanese identity it's there's both connections to the outside world that happened in this time and but also it it started like a huge period of the isolationist japan which only ended in like 1860s <laughs> so it, it's also known as the tokugawa period as that is the the, the name of the, the ruler at the start and that is when ito aka tokyo was set up as the new capital and yeah it is it is probably as idolized as like the american west is in american cinema if you can imagine that and for the most part, there's some some over overlapping of that. We um, get to see guns in this movie in Daimajin, and for the most part, there's there's a lot of like roaming heroes and things like that. It's one of my favorites. I mean, a lot of the Akira Kurosawa samurai and, and Ronin films are are in in this time period, of course, and it, it's it's a nice bridge between like an ancient, more ancient past and the modern future. And we get to see that very much so in the belief in a mountain god, a, a Kame or, or a Magin.
0: Yeah, and uh, apparently this uh, was inspired by uh, the Czechoslovakian film Le Golem in 1936.
1: I was about to say, we've had some other ones. I think we talked about the lost film Bolgasari, I believe, is the the fifties film that's that we mm-hmm. lost, which was uh another Korean one, which is very similar. Is about a a kind of uh, an evil spirit giant monster, and this won't be the last one. But yeah, this is in Japan. This is an element of the indigenous Shinto religion, and that's what we see this this priestess, aka uh, shrine maiden uh, Shinobu, kind of practicing as. Placating the the spirits in in these old ways, they have a like a wicker man style thing in the be, the beginning of the movie. That they're I don't know if they mean to set it ablaze or if that happens accidentally, but they they've got fire around it. There's dancing, very very interesting beginnings here. At this point in in Japanese history, Neo Confucianism was was a major philosophical religious kind of movement, as well as uh, Buddhism obviously had been there for, you know, hundreds of years before that. And even though we're going to see it a lot in some of the motifs of this movie and the next couple of Dimension, I believe Christianity was like absolutely stamped out in Japan at this time. Mm -hmm. There's like Japanese uh, or or not Japanese. There's like Portuguese, jesuits that were trying to like convert the island they like killed them or sent them away (laughs) and i think there was a decree of of no no opening of 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 christianity even though we get to see people in this movie crucified or or tried to be crucified yeah they're
0: they're, they're, they are at least we at least get some heavy references to
1: it (laughs) well i I think we we get more in the the following ones I i don't know if like it's a director thing or like a dai thing but in this time period in modern japan the 60s christianity was 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 very big so
0: and what i found uh one tidbit that i found there, there are a couple interesting tidbits when uh talking about this this film is uh, apparently and i can't find it's i see it in a couple of different kaiju wikis that the Daimajin was originally designed to be Gamma's first foe During the development of the, of the 1966 film, Gamma versus Barragon. But they decided not to use that. And it was later utilized to make the Dimogen trilogy. But can you imagine what a wild film that would have been if you had Gamma versus Dimogen?
1: Well, you know, to be honest, that that makes sense because the, the the way they posited Gamma was it was an ancient guardian protector perhaps of like the Atlanteans, you know. That, that's a very throwaway line in that first movie, but they bring it up in the Heisei trilogy a great deal. But they, yeah, they, they definitely make the, the ancient roots of Gamera much more important in
0: in that as well. Uh, speaking of the evil, that evil era, mountain god comes out and a turtle has to protect us. Due to the success of the Gamera trilogy in the Heisei era, in nineteen ninety eight there was plans to remake Diamogen casting steven frederick seagal as the main hero i'd uh, watch that <laughs> seagal who is also known as the father of ayako uh, fujitani who played asagi in the heisei gamer films
1: yeah i just found that out recently i blew my mind yeah
0: i, I we had a conversation because well when when i when drew and i did the guardian of the universe for mm-hmm. our monster march a year ago for the more you nerd podcast that was something that we had uncovered. They were going to remake Daimajin again in 2007. Takeshi Mike was supposed to do it, mm-hmm. who later utilized his design when he did the Great Yokai War Guardians. Right, right. And so I'm, I'm excited to get to that because that is definitely a movie I have not seen because that man has made over a 100 films. And I, I remember being a fan of his, at least his style in the early 2000s, but trying to track down all of his movies is actual insanity. Mm-hmm. And he has done a lot of, of properties. Like he did the, the film based on the Yakuza franchise in Japan in 2007. And he's done several other things that you wouldn't associate the guy who made each of the killer an audition to do.
1: <laughs> right.
0: But yeah, let's. Let's talk a little bit about this cast because this cast is excellent.
1: Yeah, yeah, we get a, we got a lot of really great actors. Unfortunately, a lot we we're not going to see here in kaiju cinema again. There's not a lot of crossover with the the later Gamma movies, which are mostly kids.
0: <laughs> I mean, friend of all
1: children makes sense. Friend of all children. But yeah, we we if you do want to go and watch some of the Zatoichi films, we get a lot of them in those movies. They are. That's kind of like the, the Marvel films of that studio. Like yeah, a, there's 26 of those movies over like 20 something years. So, and I know uh, pumped him out. What's uh, name? Miwa Takata, She appears in a lot of them. <laughs> I don't know. Why I'm using Marvel as a reference. I should be saying Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla is the very same. So, I mean, it's it's they, it's a good it's a good
0: shorthand for now. I'll I'll tell you who's surprised not surprised me because I don't I've never seen them before. Mm-hmm. But the character I thought. Was acted the best was oh gosh
1: uh, we find their name who was it in the movie Otome,
0: uh Suki uh, Mia mm-hmm. uh, as Priestess Shinobu oh yeah uh, I think she Otome. was amazing
1: yeah she gets a great death scene at the at the end of the movie spoilers but where it it turns into like a a active curse. And uh, and and she <laughs> and I, I I kept wondering is like is her death
0: the catalyst of the dimension and no, not?
1: It's not.
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: Oh, I, at least it doesn't seem to be extremely connected, but it does happen significantly before because then her men or the Suminu Suke's men go to destroy the statue. That's when they find uh, Kazasa and tell her, you know, oh yeah, we've captured your brother. Your protector, and we killed your guardian in Frieza's Shinobu, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> and that's when she goes and, and prays to the the statue. It's, yeah, it's I, it's fair. It's fair. I mean,
0: I think I think the performance in this film across the board are pretty excellent.
1: I, I would say she's the highlight for, I guess, the good guys. The the kids are very good, but the best. Bad guy performance, or maybe not main character, is one of the samurais underneath this n- new feudal lord, Gunjuro, played by Matsuo mm-hmm. Endo, who's got some amazing facial expressions and eyebrows, and he's like the, the right-hand man that we see setting up these traps. And, and he um, continued to act until the late 90s. Yeah, yeah, he's he was great. He's he's, uh, he's done a lot, but he's he he seems like indeed one of those character actors that uh, you probably stick into a lot of roles. He would probably play a very good. I'm I'm assuming he had some sort of of
0: fandom or like a, yeah, or at yeah. least respect because he pops up in some. I mean, he pops up in a lot of the battles without honor and humanity, which is a very classic yakuza series. Yeah, um, he pops he, up in Street gangster. Fighter. <laughs> and 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 Takashi Miike used him in as the doctor in audition which i i assume is because i mean you know he's a massive fan of Daimajin and the Zatoichi series so it makes perfect sense that an actor who has popped up in enough stuff you know would have this kind of history and yeah cuz he worked a lot there's like like you said there's not a lot of actors we see as frequently but you know we get we get some some good stuff out of some of these people, and I, I agree he was he was one of the more fun bad guys to watch. I was kind of disappointed we didn't have a lot of Samanosuke because he just kind of seemed to be around,
1: yeah, yeah, I guess he, he he after the the first attack where he took over we we get to see him being mean to a lot of people and pretending not to be scared of the 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 constant earthquakes from the mountaintop <laughs> or worried yeah. about you know being disposed by an 18 year old or, or 20 year old however old the uh, the son was but yeah for the most part he's just there to get killed at the very end in a very very epic way uh like I said we we talked about Olga a little bit that will kind of get a, a remake in the the 80s with Polgasari I believe and we also skipped a historical epic called The Three Treasures which was a Toho film Which is like an epic kind of fantasy telling of like the founding of of Japan. But um, that one isn't really a kaiju film. We do get a giant Orochi multi headed monster in it, but it's like, it's the bad guy. It's like they're just being killed by the, the hero of that movie. I did want to mention Dai had another film that came out a few years prior called Kujira Gami, which is. another historical epic about fishermen taking on a, like a whale god. Very similar to this, but for the same reason we haven't done any Moby Dick translations, that is a giant whale, not really a kaiju, and those aren't really kaiju films, but a lot of the actors that were in this movie, I I think uh, a a few of them took part in that film, and I wanted to give the time of day because it feels like that was a uh, you know, that movie did well, so that that egged them on to do something crazier like this movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I mean, that, I guess the most disappointing thing is, yes, the in the 84 minutes, which is a pretty brisk runtime, it doesn't feel brisk, I will say that. They kind of utilized their entire runtime. The, the Dimension is only around for, what,
1: 10 minutes, if that. I mean, that's more than Godzilla in some cases. It, it is, films, but Godzilla so. had a
0: presence throughout the movie, whereas in this one, it, the presence isn't uh, necessarily felt as much.
1: He, I mean, Dimension is on screen more than Godzilla is in Invasion of Astro Monster, for example.
0: Well, that, I mean, for sure, but. That, you
1: that, at that's least not have, hard to beat, though. That's only like six minutes of screen. Yeah.
0: Time. But no, I mean, the thing is, it's always kind of a bummer. Like, you have a lot going on with Invasion of Astro Monster, so it's yeah. it's. And you also have. It they pepper out that that stuff, so at least it looks like there's more of it. Yeah, this, yeah. This one, you know, saving it for the end, which is what a lot of these movies did. And because there's nothing for Dimogen to to fight, I mean, he's not even bothered this entire time. So he's just you know I, causing a ruckus, and it looks great. Like like Patrick said, a lot of the the prosthetic stuff, like for the hands when he grabs people, looks awesome. I just I wish there was I the 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 thing that I kind of mark off most is I just wish there was more from that or there was because it just kind of feels like it comes in like a wrecking ball and we we from there you know how the film's gonna end
1: yeah well it's exactly you like <laughs> once that that turn comes you're like oh this is now a kaiju movie which and you the can understand where it's going
0: it's certainly satisfying.
1: Yeah, like um, I, like I I compared it to Tarantino for a reason. It's it's out of left field. You know, up until that point there's not a ton of magical things that happen. I mean, th- nothing really that happens until the very end and then you're suddenly <laughs> just bombarded with, "Oh, it can also like teleport around and you know, it just has all these crazy powers." But yeah, in 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 a lot of ways, I think you're right. If if we had one more scene of its power, like a flashback or a storytelling of like the last time it came alive, like 300 years ago, it wiped out the village because they didn't pray to it. You know, like all they need to, they don't even need to, I don't even think they need to show it. I think if they just did like a retelling of that story that would keep it in people's minds there, so much of the plot is focused on the the two children of this dispute disp- deposed a uh, uh, daimyo kind of trying to figure out a way how to how to get their their clan back into a position of power and that going wrong it, you do forget about the statue for the most part. It just becomes kind of like a background element, and a really cool one that looks really awesome up at the top of this huge waterfall oh, on a cliff. Absolutely, and great position for it.
0: I, I also think I, I wish, and I, I'm going to save this. I think until we watch the other two films to see if this ends up happening. Someone might save saying this. But I, I do wish there was a, some sort of a mystical evil element for the bad guys. Mm, yeah. Like maybe he had some sort of like sword of a Tengu or something silly like that where it's like, you know, that you think, okay, well, maybe this this thing is not going to be the answer. Maybe the bad guys can, you know, pull something together. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of want to watch the other two films before we get to that. and. Well, the, as, as I said before, the Daimajin does make a return in the great Yokai war sequel by, T- uh, Takashi Miike. He does get a, and this kind of
1: factors in with his legacy, does get a TV show. Yeah. It, you know, I looked it up when, when we researching this podcast, uh, canon. It's about 12 years old, 2010, and is a, like a modern set, modern Japan yeah. set focusing on a descendant of the shrine maiden and it is like a a J drama you know <laughs> about this and, woman's like, life
0: mixed I in I look at the poster and it looks awesome <laughs> like you have these different like almost common looking samurai and and honestly the design for the Daimajin, it's a neat it's a, a neat interpretation of it um they certainly give him they they take off the the samurai like Body armor and just let them be bare chested and muscular, <laughs> which I thought was a a, a fun choice.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, but I, talking-
0: I would be interested in watching it because um, I mean, I know I don't think we I don't think we've set this up for if, if there's
1: even a way to watch it for the podcast. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I've tried to look it up and I don't think we can we have access to all episodes. It's not a, like a big <laughs> fan favorite for translation like some of these movies are. But in form of legacy, I mean, besides like tons of other very similar fantasy leaning daikaiju movies that, that will come out over the next few decades. Just last year from when we're recording this 2021, you mentioned the Great Yokai War, mm-hmm. which is more of a, a spiritual sequel to the Showa era yokai films. That you also mentioned, it does have Daimajin uh, is is in that movie. Uh, I've not seen it yet, but right, I have he? I believe he's you know very briefly shown in the trailer, which you can find online. He's on the poster, but <laughs> he's he is uh, yeah. I mean, I think like almost all of them are on the poster. <laughs> yeah, the, the yokai I, are kind of like evil ghost spirits.
0: Well, yeah, they're just they're they're they they are kaiju in the strictest sense where they are strange creatures. There there was a The first film came out in 05, which was also directed by, by Um I think is less, there's less Daikaiju in it. I actually, I haven't seen it. I know that Tokyo Shock Uh, has put out a release for it. So I would be interested to check it out. But I know the yokai monster movies of which these movies are a spiritual remake of, they're more human sized.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they're kajin, like they're strange persons, which incorporates a lot of stuff, you know. Humanoid monsters, humanoid shaped or sized monsters, but also like ghosts and and things like that. Well, um, and I feel like one of the yokai monster movies
0: does have a kaiju in it, or at least a large die kaiju hmm. creature. I can't confirm; I haven't seen them. I I think also Arrow just recently put out the yokai monsters box set, so right maybe I'll I'll get a chance to watch that at some point because. Uh, the, the Arrow, is, I, I give him credit for doing the Lord's work on things like the Gamera series, uh, Daimajin, and uh kai Monsters. They do some really good stuff. I do wish there was a specific imprint for Eastern cinema because there's so much stuff that it does not get uh, a proper localization into the West. I know there is Third Window Films in the UK, which does a great job of doing some contemporary films, but especially genre films from Japan. Tend to get lost in the mix a lot outside of their initial dVD releases, you typically have an easier time getting Korean genre films right right but let's uh let's let's talk about how we felt about this movie. Well,
1: did you have a favorite scene, Patrick Yeah, I mean obviously like the the highlight of the movie is is the Dyjin killing <laughs> the the evil samurai Lord For sure, boy howdy. Definitely one of the most metal pun intended things to happen. But it it's not really like him driving the the the, the nail through him, but it's the the one of the most metal things that happens in the movie Pun intended is even just right before it stabs the summon of Suke, but he takes another samurai and is is like holding him and like crushes him into a wall while he's <laughs> alive and screaming. But then turns just like super slow <laughs> to to stare down the, the Lord. That's, that's so good, Miles. <laughs> How I also, is that not the best part of the movie?
0: It, it is certainly one of them. I, I think Shinobu's death scene is uh, a standout for the film. But a weird subtle scene that I really love is when like the the, the stone mask of, I don't know why I just covered my face as if anyone else <laughs> can see me. The think stone mask like breaks and you see just the de- the demon face uh, of the of the Dimigen. It's it's so great.
1: Well, there's like a wipe away. He like kind of like moves his hand in front, and then it's like boom, a scowl that you will definitely remember. Yeah, um, because he does that again when he
0: opts not to crush the the sister Kazasa. Yeah,
1: he goes back into a statue.
0: He does he does his little like little hand face, and uh, you know peekaboo. Patty, Patty Cake, and the Spirit kind of leaves the the Dimension and or leaves the the statue and the statue crumbles. Uh this yeah, this is <laughs> such a cool movie. And I, I feel like people at the time really responded to, I mean, we got three of them, even though they were all made at one time, but I feel like if if this one had bombed, it would have, you know, they would have shelved the other movies.
1: Mm-hmm. But it did not bomb critics at the time. I'm not too sure about- I'm not too sure about what they said, but these films were, I think, popular enough that, like you said, they were kept being released over the course of nineteen sixty six. Currently, on Rotten Tomatoes, this film has a sixty nine percent fresh rating letterbox, basically the same thing, three point five or so. Will our scores be any better? Let's let's get to talking about this review wise. <laughs> yeah we we take a look at three individual criteria for what makes a great kaiju movie and combine our scores for a podcast total our personal enjoyment you know what this film gives to us as a movie how we think the technical elements of the film did and that's everything from the special effects which is a big part of tokusatsu but also writing directing acting and then finally kind of the ripples that this generates as a piece of art in kaiju cinema itself part of that is its legacy which i'm not going to lie is a big factor for me in in a lot of that but also just how how this is received and and does it influence other things like a movie can be completely forgotten by an audience and still mean a lot to the genre if that makes mm-hmm. sense so yeah absolutely uh, for, for personal enjoyment, I, I found this movie to be quite great. I do have a love for samurai films set in the period. Mm-hmm. And also I love Japanese movies from this period in general, like the sixties. I also love kaiju. So it's firing on all three cylinders. There's a lot holding it back from being like a perfectly enjoyable experience for me. We didn't talk about the the kid <laughs> in the movie who
0: oh yeah the, the the kid who's he's like the son of one of the enslaved people yeah. who for some reason looks like he's a feral child. I guess it's because like he doesn't get the the care he needs because his mother is well, dying and dies
1: he's and been his father is currently, under this you know. evil regime his entire life, but yeah he does he looks like the the kid from. Mad it Max looks like Newt in Aliens. 3? No, Mad Max 2, the the uh, <laughs> the kid with the boomerang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his, his story, it's like he didn't really add a lot, except like, oh, look how terrible the conditions are. There were some he, elements that, even though this is a very tightly plotted film, like still could have been kind of shortened or, or taken out to give us more of what we really wanted, which was, you know, some of the, the focus on the kaiju.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think there are certainly moments that could have been paced just a little tighter. And I actually would have liked to flesh out the kid a little bit more just to give him a reason to be there. Uh, that said, I think this movie is a technical marvel from the direction to the script to the special effects. Mm-hmm. And like you say, it, man, having something like a, a Kurosawa light with a little kaiju seasoning is just mwah, perfect. And it really, really made an impact on me in terms of how I thought about it as a film and, and so I I gave it a nine out of ten.
1: I I was mm-hmm. really, really impressed with it. I'm a little bit behind you there. I gave an eight out of ten and I'm I'm really hopeful that the other two films maybe I like more. I definitely I, I hope like, so too. I definitely like this one, but I already know, unfortunately from from looking ahead, we don't get like reoccurring characters because these are like three different directors and three different ideas. Shot at the on, same on the time. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So. so we don't even get a lot of repeat actors, I don't think. Which, hopefully.
0: I mean, again, if they're making these movies at the same time, I mean, because these movies came out in, yeah. in April, August, and December of the same year, there's just yeah. no way.
1: It's crazy. I can, can you imagine something like that happening today? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the closest thing we get is
0: like things like, well, we had When Matrix, Revolutions, and Reloaded came out in that six oh, month yeah. period. I think they did the same thing with two of the Pirates movies, maybe. Uh, um,
1: I couldn't tell but, you, but we had. To but wait even a even for Avengers, the you had to wait, Avengers, like yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Even Avengers, you had to wait. I think at least a year between the
1: two. Was it two years? No, just one year between one year? Infinity War. And yeah, but
0: like, yeah, it's it's something. It was we, a long we, wait, get,
1: though. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was a long way. I I love when stuff like this happens, though. Like I I remember thinking it was the most exciting time when you were getting. All right, you get in May. You get Matrix Reloaded, and then at holiday time, you get Matrix Revolutions. And no matter how you feel about those movies, that kind of release style is so exciting. So, uh-huh. like to have like that in the the kaiju genre, like what a time.
1: <laughs> we we didn't talk about our technical effects director um, Kurada Yoshiyuki, but he did a lot of the work on. He did the effects for the yokai monster films, which which tracks. I've, I've only seen clips of but are insane they look yeah insane. no i
0: i i know we can't technically do it for the podcast because we're a strictly daikaiju but like i've seen clips of this movie and i'm like oh, this man. movie looks monstrously out there and i i, yeah. <laughs> I that's why i've got to get that I think, I think it's arrow that that if did we, the box set
1: if we did every japanese monster movie oh boy <laughs> it would be a lot lo- uh, sounds like a patreon to me uh, this film, though, like I mentioned, I, I, I thought was very advanced technologically from the director's point of view. It felt like a seventies movie, to be honest. It, it, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's the same way you go back and look at a Kurosawa film from the fifties and he is 10 to 20 years ahead of where American directors are. In my opinion, he's like so far, so far ahead of a lot of the ideas that would become the, The tradition, you know, that would become the kind of tried and true format of of movie making. I I felt like this one was was ahead there. So I gave this a a higher score and that also kind of reflects on some of the great acting that we talked about and the 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 special effects, which I really enjoyed. Uh, So I gave this a nine out of ten for the, the technical elements and. That's that's one of the higher ones. <laughs> that one, I feel like I'm the most hard to impress in, on this podcast because. Uh, no, it's I'm, hard I'm with you. I, I've a been perfect pretty, score. I've been pretty harsh. Well,
0: I actually gave it a perfect score.
1: <gasps> Miles, how dare you?
0: Yeah, I look. Even though I had personal qualms with some of the pacing and stuff like that, I don't think that they were ne- necessarily problems with the film. I think the script was was great. I think the special effects were incredible. I think the movie was. Some of the best directing we've seen in mm. terms of a personal style in kaiju cinema. I think that they were able to use their locations and mm-hmm. recreate the period. With, I mean, for a movie like this, where I'm expecting a low budget, I mean, I knocked it out of the park in terms of of the buildings and everything. And speaking of knocking over buildings, the the dimension seems looked incredible, and the fact that you can you can create it a a illusion where you, you know that. Oh gosh, Kogenta and uh, Tarafumi are on these crosses, and the fact that like they're moving, and then you see the Daimajin grab the one that uh, Tarafumi's on, and kind of shake it a little bit. What an incredible effect!
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a that's a bonus to the scale of the the Daimajin, as he can have some still very frightening, but very personal experiences with.
0: Killing people and, and right people and, and on their the the darker the darker tone and you got killer performances i didn't think anyone delivered a phoned in performance or even a poor performance at all i thought everyone mm. you know everyone understood the assignment and knocked it out of the park and so yeah i i am giving this a a, a kind of a rare 10 in technical because i i think this movie just sparkled to me
1: yeah, and we, you know we'll we'll save some of the chat for these two sequels, but we'd even talk about suit actor uh, Chikara Hashimoto, who <sighs> so is going to be in. I mean, I mean, it's it's a, it's a, a Batman like situation where he's really only able to emote with his body movement and his mm-hmm. eyes, and we we get to see a lot of emotion just conveyed with head turns and 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 movement. But he's going to return for the next two films. He is one. Awesome. Shared elements, uh, along with the the writer, and I believe Akira Kube does the score for the next two as well. But yeah, he had like a, a Mike Myers from Halloween walk, and it's one of the oh. the few instances oh, where whoa, whoa. show some respect. It's Michael. Sorry, he he's not Austin Powers. Trying to save time here. <laughs> now you're, you're <laughs> explaining it so so much. Mikey Myers. Someone uh, to get the image of Shrek in their head just <laughs> bouncing around. daimoyo donkey get out me swamp (laughs) somebody it is a very restrictive looking suit but that like works for the fact that it's supposed to be a statue and the slow movement you know maybe like the slow down speed of the suit actor has never looked better yeah so 9 out out of 10 as far as the evocative aspect of this where this movie places in kaiju cinema does knock it down a little bit it's where i'm 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 marking it fairly low because i do think this sets the stage for characters like king cesar other mystical kaiju to kind of come to the forefront we get a lot of them from other eastern kaiju producing places uh, you know like thailand and korea and, and things like that it just doesn't seem to take off in japan or, or you know, in the United States with, with later kaiju movies, I will say that the Heisei Gamera trilogy is kind of the opposite of that because they really go heavy in the mystical mm-hmm. origin side. But then he's fighting aliens and getting other crazy monsters, it, it seems like. It. But yeah, we, we I only know of this film because, yeah, it's getting re-releases, it's getting Blu-rays and, and more play than ever. This new movie, the Yokai War film. But, yeah, I'm still knocking it down. I think I'm actually going to change my score a little bit better. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Aw, look at you. But, yes, it's still fairly low as, as far as, as where this movie, I feel like, should be. I make so, sense. yeah, I, I also gave it a, a 7. I
0: was prepared to make a whole thing about how it was kinder. Um, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say – I. Yes, I'm definitely skimming a little bit more because of how much I enjoyed the film. But I will say, even before we even talked about doing this show, this is a film I have heard about from fans of Japanese cinema, cinema, not my entire life, but most of my adult life. It's, it is one that I never sought out because I didn't think the way it was presented to me didn't seem as interesting as it actually is. And it really wasn't until the last decade where I feel like While this film has always had a a revered reputation, a reputation, I feel like in the last decade it's been talked about more and more to the degree that Arrow released this gorgeous Blu-ray box set. And you know, as much as I I I gotta harp on on different boutique companies for not doing more of this kind of stuff, when they do do it, and Arrow does a good job putting some stuff out. I've got several of their Japanese horror releases. They do an amazing job with these transfers and special features so i i'm giving it a seven for the same reason i think that this film does have a reputation of being a good film and did get talked about by genre fans for long enough that i i can't just give it a, a super low score but i also can't in good conscience give it anything higher seven yeah. is honestly a very kind score and probably a little too kind, but I just—I was really taken with this with this film. I thought it was a very very cool movie. It's it's certainly a movie that I have to be in the mood to watch, but it is it is something else.
1: Oh right, with with your seven, my seven, that brings me it brings to nine, right? A well, it brings me to an eight, and you to—I'm eight point six repeating. Eight point six, so that my nine. I, I, I'm sorry you can't do math. It brings us to an, an eight in total. You to a nine, me to an eight. Wait, 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 wait. So I'm a nine, you're an eight, so it would be eight point five, so the movie would be a nine, right? Uh well no, i I take the, the raw scores when I do the, the math. Oh, I th- I thought you always rounded it up. Well I always round up our, our final score. So if, if that is like on the fence.
0: Oh, um, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying.
1: I still think an eight is very good for for this movie. I will say that we have had a lot of eights in the sixties so far. I mean this is uh, this is the
0: this is the decade that between really us,
1: that is. This is the decade that I think
0: establishes the genre. And I think mm-hmm. it's the decade that establishes a lot of the tropes that we're gonna see from here on out. This I mean this this the sixties were what I was waiting for because this is where we see the real birth of Kaiju cinema. Yes, it starts in fifty-four truly as a genre with Godzilla. But, you know, after suffering through all the uh, uh, American, you know, dregs, we were finally watching all these films where I feel like this is where the genre comes alive. And this is where you get the reason people are in love with it. Mm-hmm. At least, at least you get the, the start of that because it carries on, obviously, for years and years uh, to come. But I think the sixties and seventies are where the people who love kaiju films, this is their home.
1: Well, I I mentioned it. 1966 is a year, with, year, yeah, with a lot of entries in both television, movies. There's six different films that we're talking about in '66 alone. It is definitely the 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 mountaintop of the the '60s. <laughs> I, I feel like, and this film is is part of that. Is, is part of all well, yeah. three of these films came out in 1966, so definitely. Oh boy! So yeah, final score is an eight out of ten. Like I said, I really want the, the want one of these two sequels to beat that and be <laughs> bring, yeah, bring I, a series I, total.
0: I purposefully know nothing about them. Yes. Um. So I, I very much, I, I want to see it. I want, I want, I want to see it do very, very well. But it's going to be just a little bit longer before we we get to the dimension. Mm-hmm. So or dimension, yeah.
1: uh, Di- Return of Dimension. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, there's four months between these, but we, yeah, we, we have another episode next week and then another movie that came out before it in, in the war of the gargantuas. But yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, go, go to kaiju versus history at gmail.com. Uh, email us there or Twitter uh, at kaiju versus history, rate our show, comment, share with friends, yada, yada. Let us know what you think. Thanks, Miles, for, for starting this. Oh. Dimogen trilogy with me, and thank you, listeners. And yeah, we will we'll catch you next time. Ooh, tell, them, tell them where we're going next time. Oh, in a super jet, he comes from a billion miles away from a distant planet. He lands. Tune in next time for a history versus Ultraman. Ultraman.